0: Welcome, this is Anthony Haynes. I'm Creative Director of Frontinus Limited. Welcome to the Grey Lit Cafe podcast brought to you by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus is a communications consultancy focused on engineering, infrastructure, sustainability, and research. Now, in this uh, podcast, we focus on Grey literature and the wider area of communications around grey literature. And we sometimes focus on the actual texts and the communicative acts, and sometimes go into that in some detail. And at other times, we focus on the surrounding context, and in particular, in the surrounding context, the people and the organizations that produce. The communications and the grey literature that we're interested in and I'm delighted to say today's episode is focused firmly in that camp and I'm delighted to welcome and it's the first time I've ever welcomed back a guest who's appeared previously so I'm delighted to welcome Stephanie Shirley who is the uh, founder and owner of Benis so welcome Stephanie
1: Welcome. Thank you for having me back. I did not realize we were studying history today. So this <laughs> is exciting. Happy to be here.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, so, we, last time we focused about your uh, on your business in general, and I think the final question I asked you was about uh, a little bit about the role that your blog, uh, the comma Engineer, plays in that. And what I'd like to do today is to focus very much on that blog. Um, so, uh, obviously, we've put the, the, the link in the show notes and, and listeners who haven't uh, looked at it yet really strongly urge you to go and have a look at it. It's a remarkable blog, not least because of the um, amount of time you, you've been publishing it in a regular basis, which we'll come to in a minute. But let me ask you, first of all, you've clearly put an enormous amount of time and energy into this blog over the years. So could I start just by asking you, why do you do that? Why do you make that sacrifice as it were?
1: Absolutely. So I began my business. I took on the entrepreneurial journey. It'll be 12 years this summer. And I started my blog as one of the first things I ever did because my thought process was, if I'm going to write or promote or do anything on the communication side for clients, i <laughs> I need to be able to do it for myself. Mm. I need to see mm. what this is all about. And if we can all remember, twelve years ago, over a decade ago, <laughs> blogging looked a lot different. It yes. means something different today, doesn't it? You know, we see a lot of people on Instagram is one of the popular places where we ha- see people say, "Check out my new post" or "Check out my blog." And what mm. they mean is something that they just posted to their Instagram profile. Mm. I grew up, or I started my blog when a blog was a website, you know, WordPress being maybe the most popular still. So that's where I started mine. So it truly was, you know, you publish an article, it lives on this website. Most part, it's free to maintain. Anyone can start a blog with a couple clicks. And that's really where it began.
0: Yes, and I, I agree that the, the meaning of the word blog has changed. I, I sometimes have a bit of trouble sort of accepting that, really, because I I think a blog is the kind of thing that you do. That's what a blog means to me. Now, I the, one of the remarkable things about your blog is um, the reliability of the flow of the content. Um, so uh, today I woke up, I logged on to my work email, and there was an email from your blog, announcing announcing the latest post and I thought well of course there was because there always is because actually week after week month after month year after year that's what you do and um I think people would love to be able to do that. I mean, I don't publish this podcast every week because I kind of know I wouldn't manage to stick to that schedule. So uh, the, 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 the prize question there is, how do you actually manage to generate this flow of content?
1: Absolutely. So I think when I first started out, I knew that if I was going to do it, I needed to commit to it. There's that phrase that we may have heard many times. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And Mm. a blog is a living example of your brand, of your resume. That's going to be out there. And especially in my line of work with communications as a consultant for other businesses, I knew it was highly likely people were going to check out my blog in addition to my website and kind of mm. kick the flyers a little bit. So, you know, when I started, I knew that if I was going to start a blog, I wanted it to be consistent. I didn't want to just. Do a couple weeks, a couple months, come in hot, and then have it go dead cold. So first and foremost, I made it a priority and I carved out time for it. In my week, I treated it just like I would a client project where mm-hmm. it had to get done. It was a piece of homework, it was a thing on my to-do list, and I treated it appropriately. So that's really where I started with that picking a realistic schedule. You know, I heard you say schedule before. It's so true. For me, once a week is the most I would want to do. And Mm. I don't really want to go any less than that either, but that could look different from person to person. So Mm. that's the other piece is if certainly once a day is highly ambitious. Some people can do it, Mm. maybe they're shorter blog posts, but about once a week, or even if you were to bump it down to once a month could Mm. make that task a lot more manageable. And when it's more manageable, we're more likely to stick to it
0: yeah and that that then becomes a question, doesn't it, as of well how it fits into your, your your routine and your personal rhythm, you know the, what you do at what time of week and so on? Yes, I'm very interested in what you said about well, once a month because I think that's an interesting question about what's the sort of minimum, and my feeling is a lot depends there on the regularity, like once a month at a certain time and certain days a lot better than every now and then once a month you know um, uh, so my next question grows out of that really because it's one thing to be able to generate this flow of content and to sort of know how to do it and have a means of doing it but it's another to actually kind of force yourself to do it in terms of the stamina and application and i think that's i i would find that very difficult i've run a couple of blogs in the past long term, but I've never managed to, or even aspire to do it, you know, in such volume. So, I mean, how how do you combat fatigue? Are there times where you just think, oh, I wish I wasn't doing this? Or, 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 or uh, what do you do to kind of pep yourself up and uh, keep yourself running, as it were?
1: That's a great question. I think we all write better when we're writing about something with passion. So Mm. first and foremost, when I think about a topic and sometimes I don't have anything immediately come to mind. So I'll kind of sit in a brainstorming session with myself and I'll think about the past week. I'll reflect Mm. on what have been some of my highlights, what have been some of my headaches. And that usually spurs something within me that I want to get on a soapbox. I'm like, all right, I have something (laughs) I want to tell the world. Sometimes that is directly related to public relations, communications, my business. Mm. Other times it's my entrepreneurial journey. I'm also a working Mm. mother. How do I balance that? And sometimes you'll see my blog lends itself to a really personal and challenging topic. Mm. One you mentioned that was probably in your inbox this morning. A little bit of a teaser headline talked about a time when I almost destroyed my business model because I made a drastic decision that I thought I had some pressure to change what I was doing. So I write about things where I reflect and I'm like, this is something I mm. think someone else needs to hear. And usually it is, you know, the the amazing thing is that the least expected people in your network will reach out and say, I read your blog. And it, it hit me at the right time of the day, or it gave mm. me that kick in the pants I needed to move forward. So I think when you start to realize people are paying attention, even mm. if you only have a couple hundred, a couple thousand followers to start, maybe not even that, you mm. know, you are creating an archive of your own thoughts yeah. and passion that you can then come back to anytime, even if you need that. You know, even if you're mm. having a down day and you said, what did I do? What was I thinking? I find myself constantly going back, pulling from my blog and getting lost in my own posts because I'm so inspired about something I said <laughs> two or three years ago. And I'm thinking, who was this wise woman from, from two <laughs> or two, three years Makes ago? Because I don't feel like her today. Um, So that, yeah, mm. it really just is a catharsis, I think is the most mm. appropriate word.
0: I so, say, uh, fascinating I've had that experience I've had an experience where I've taken a topic and I've actually thought it through and worked out what I think about it and then I post a blog and then I find sometime later I've forgotten what it is I think about it you know the, the thinking's gone and um, I, the blog's concerned I've taken them offline but I can still access the content and I find myself doing that your uh, your notion of it being an archive of your own your own thinking and your own productivity exactly right yes by the way the the, the one you published today I particularly like your ones about your entrepreneurial journey and I think it's great when bloggers are prepared to make themselves a bit vulnerable and say I made a mistake in my business or I nearly made a mistake in my business now we talked about productivity there primarily in terms of a sort of the quantity the the amount of content that you're generating but was also the question of quality and sometimes when you find blogs that are very regular very consistent Actually, the, com- the the quality isn't there. And I think this might be because they're actually outsourcing it to a third party who perhaps doesn't care very much. I think that happens. And I think also sometimes people just sort of go through emotions and think, oh, I've got to, I've got to knock something out. But I'm not really, I'm not really in the mood. So I just churn out a few hundred words. Now, I never feel that. With your blog, I never feel that, uh, and it always feels sort of alive and fresh, and there's energy in the writing. So, so what, what techniques do you have to actually kind of guarantee the the quality?
1: Sure, and I think it starts with having a good understanding of the identity of your blog. Now, that didn't start mm-hmm. for me. You know, it took a couple years, it very much like creating a brand, or even more so creating a child, another arm of Mm. who you are. And so it took a while for me to realize, okay, what was this blog going to become? And you alluded to it. It really is my entrepreneurial journey. Now, that might include from time to time some public relations tips and tools for businesses. That's always fun. But more mm. often than not, it's going to tie back to, you're going to see the evolution of me, of Stephanie, grow in the yes. last decade or so of my blog. Some of those original topics, they tend to be much shorter. I've gotten long-winded mm. in my writing, <laughs> um, even when I try not to be. And of course, you know, my style, my grammar, um, my authenticity has certainly evolved too. So for quality, I think it's first and foremost, stay true to your voice. You know, if you're Mm. writing and everyone can have a little bit of an off week, okay, maybe that wasn't my best content, something was going Mm. on, my mind was a little shifted, but you don't want that to happen too many times in a row. And I think, mm. like you said, that can happen when you're outsourcing. So I do allow guest blogging on my blog, mm. and I enjoy that. Um, it's not something I pay for or am paid yeah. by any stretch. I keep that as truly people who want to contribute something from the heart, and I want to help them share it. But with that, there has been times where I look at something someone produced, and I said, you know, this just isn't a good fit. More so, yeah. they'll, they'll pitch me a topic, and I'm like, yeah, I, it just—I don't think that's going to resonate with my audience. So. I I have had to selectively turn down things. More often than not, I can edit it to get it where I need it to go. And I don't have it all figured out. You'll certainly be able to go through or I could point out in my own mind things that I was like, oh, you know, I, I needed the content that week. And so I took it from someone you know, who mm-hmm. wanted to outsource, who wanted to guest blog for me, but maybe that was a bit of a stretch. You know, I wasn't as excited to share that with my network as I was the next week when I talked about mm-hmm. something like I did, like I just said about my topic for today. And so you can you certainly lose your voice over time if you're not careful. And I will still go back and continue to have to spell check my own writing. It is not mm-hmm. perfect but mm. I also know if I painstakingly waited for each blog to be perfect, or if I hired a professional yeah. editor, my blog would no longer be sustainable on time or the investment that it required. Yes. So I do. I do my best. Uh, probably it's 80% of the way perfect, but it's never 100% when I click publish. Mm. I'll go back and try to continue to refine it. Um, but for the most part, I mm, do believe my readers give me a lot of grace and I'll go back and read it, you know, and, and try to refine it in real time too. So that's the other thing is I use spell checking tools. Uh, WordPress has its own in- embedded in its content as you're yes. writing. Certainly Grammarly is another great yes. tool you can install. Um, and it can help you improve the cadence of your writing too. So mm-hmm. those are the other things is obviously there's the quality of content and there's also the quality of spelling and grammar, which all lead to the overall perception of your blog.
0: That's fascinating. I find these um, online tools such as Grammarly, I find they've improved so much over the years. I'm now really impressed by, you know, they point out things about my writing and I think, hmm, that's a a good point. I wouldn't, you know, it's not just the spelling mistakes or whatever.
1: Did you ever have Grammarly tell you about the tone of your writing? Sometimes it will call me out for being (laughs) aggressive. (laughs) and I am writing an email to someone I'm like oh I need to consider this maybe I'm coming off a little strong here too many exclamation points so
0: (laughs) and do you uh, did I understand you properly that sometimes you actually even after you've published a post you'll go back and change things will you
1: I do. Wasn't it Picasso, the one that they said they couldn't trust him in an art gallery with a paintbrush because he'd try to (laughs) continue to paint over his artwork? I can be that way with my blogs. Um I will. I will go back and I will I will continue to refine things or, you know, certainly find grammatical errors, words, um back before I installed Grammarly. But one of the best tools, and this goes back to talking about how to populate your blog. Every Monday, the first Monday of the month, I also go back to the archives and I republish something I published from within the last Mm. year or so. Yeah.
0: Because
1: it's not possible that everyone saw it that first time. Or they did that they're going to enjoy reading it again just as I did. So that's another tip a secret tip there is if you're populating on a regular enough basis say weekly or even more frequently you can and should reuse content and you can mm. refresh it you can add a fresh opening paragraph take a fresh take on it but then what you're doing is you're not reinventing that content you're using it to the fullest so just yes. a sidebar there
0: yes no i think that's a great idea and and just going back to your previous point i i, I sometimes change things after i publish them because you realize uh, either sometimes readers are just interested in something and you think, well, maybe I'll tell them a bit more. And, and sometimes you think oh, that they haven't really understood. That wasn't quite what I meant. And you sort of just correct the misunderstanding, as it were. So uh, it, let's let's think of um, people who will be listening, who either now write a blog or are contemplating doing so. And in terms of um, you know the tips that we can give them to, to help them, I suppose one obvious question is what not to do. So let me ask you that. First, what's a, what if there was one thing that a blogger should avoid? What would you what would you suggest they should avoid?
1: Absolutely, especially thinking about people who are sitting here saying, you know, it's been on my list for a while. I want to I want to yeah. try out this blogging. I want to create a space that's like a living journal, you know, an archive of my my journey. Um before you do, really think about it this way. Don't start something you don't feel confident you can do well. That does not mean you need to be a perfect writer or have a large following to start with. What I mean by doing it well is putting out something that you're proud of. And so if you are ready to start a blog, but you think, all right, I'm going to write every day and you make it one week doing that. And then it sits empty. I do believe, especially if you're using it as a business marketing tool, that stands to do more damage to your reputation than the good that can come from putting your blog out there. Mm. So pause. You know, really think about, is this something I can take on? Is this a commitment I can – stay true to and Mm. picking that right cadence. You know, um, think of a business owner, a retail store. They wouldn't open a shop, a bake shop, if they weren't prepared to staff it and put out some baked goods and to, you know, kind of welcome people into that space. The same goes for your blog. You wouldn't want to open a blog, create a blog, if you're not ready to really welcome people in on a consistent basis. You don't want it to sit empty. And then my second piece there too, it goes yeah. back to what you've heard me say, it, and I'll say it again, is losing your voice. You don't want to lose your voice in your blog and start out with something that's very personal and passionate. And then all of a sudden, it's it's kind of just, you know, you're pumping out content just to check the box every week. Um, so I do think that that is something important to think about is stay true to who you are and have a good identity for your blog. We all need mm. breaks. And I've gone on holiday, I've gone on vacation, I've wondered, okay, what am I am I going to do with my blog? I, I don't want it to ever miss a week. So I can do one of two things. I work ahead oftentimes and I have my blog mm. scheduled out a month in advance or I I'll be honest with my readers and say, even bloggers need a holiday.
0: Yes. And I will
1: have some great words of wisdom and keep it very short. So it's a blog, yet not really a blog that says, hey, I'm out of office for this week. And I hope Mm. you can respect that. I'll be back and rejuvenated and ready to write more than ever before. But bloggers need a holiday too. And sometimes that authenticity is what your bloggers want to hear. So. I was looking at my blogging stats here in WordPress. It's so amazing. But every year I have hit at least 52 posts because Mm -hmm. there's 52 weeks in a year. And every year it's been growing year by year. But the number of average words for the entire year is over 61,000. Wow. So that's essentially a novel a year that I have. Yes, yes. But when you break it up into those little, little articles, almost like a chicken soup for the soul, if you're familiar with that book, what I've created are these really digestible articles that who knows, maybe someday I'll turn it into a coffee table book. <laughs> so it, with different chapters that kind of highlight my best work, um, but it's all there. It's, it's an archive and it's out there for the world to see.
0: Well, it's fascinating you, you draw a parallel with books. I've actually just recently read for, I think, the third or fourth time, um, a book by Natalie Goldberg called Writing Down the Bones. And I I think it must have been written before blogs really came in. I think she must have written it as a book, but actually it reads like a whole series of book, uh, blog posts, but it, it works ex- extremely well. And I'm, I'm fascinated with what you said, because I'm an erstwhile book publisher. <laughs> That's what I spent a lot of my career doing. So I was kind of wondering whether to ask you whether either whether publishers ever approach you or whether, whether you, you were ever contemplating publishing in book form. What about, about the, um, I've asked you what to avoid. I mean, if there's more positively, um, one thing that bloggers should do?
1: Absolutely. So I think when you're, when you're just starting out with your blog, start by thinking about your why. Why are you starting it? And what defines success for you? So often I feel that people might be hesitant to start a blog because they think that it's going to be an utter disaster if it doesn't make the money right away yes ever or ever at all or if they don't immediately burst up to a thousand plus followers yes and I would say that is a fine goal for some people that is not the goal for most is never been my goal. So it is still a small blog, but there are people like yourself that are faithful readers and that have yielded wonderful opportunities, even if it's getting Mm. to be invited twice back on a podcast. (laughs) But I will say that I don't have ads on my, or sponsor content Mm. on my blog. That has not been the business model. And I've actually wanted to protect its integrity by not pursuing Mm. something like that. But I will say that I can probably draw a lot of parallels of reasons I have engaged with work or have been connected with someone that has yielded a good business opportunity because of my blog, because someone sees me on LinkedIn and they read my blog every week and it keeps me top of mind. Um, my blog Mm. has also helped me to mentor, especially students, um, from, Mm. from my own college, my alma mater here in Pennsylvania, United States. Because when these students have questions, I've usually written about it. And what Mm. I can do is quickly take that blog link and say, check this out, you know, so I don't have to sit down and regurgitate everything on my mind. I can say, I've already written it for you. And the students are so receptive to that. And they usually end up, they usually end up lost in my blog of archives, looking at more and more and more content. So. That's what's really cool too. So to get back to that, what do you say? What you should do, define success. Define what that looks Mm. like for you and come back to that time and time again when you're feeling fatigued, when you don't know if it's worth it. Say, wait a second, I set out... To write something that my children will be happy to read about my life journey someday. And I'm Mm. doing that, you know, and I have that archive so that even if it's only an audience of one or two that you're aiming for, you now have that. And that's where I think it can be beautiful. Maybe someone's blog does take the form of writing to a loved one, dear diary, Mm. you know, dear, dear son, dear daughter. Here's who I, I am today. So that when that person can read that, maybe generations from now, when you're gone, they get to know you in 2023. Mm. And I mean, how much I would have loved if one of my ancestors kept a detailed journal like that. I don't have anything like that. So, you know, just I am so many ideas. You can tell I'm passionate Mm. about it, but I truly Mm. feel that there is more to gain than there is to lose by being authentic. I love the word vulnerable, like you said, and putting yourself out there. You know, I I genuinely believe that that content that you put your heart and soul into producing will become valuable at some point in the future to you.
0: Yeah, from, from the way you describe it, it, it's as if it's a sort of ecology around the, the blog and the blog sort of feeds into those various processes and systems. And I love that idea of being able to, you know, when a student's struggling with a problem or raises you a question and, and you can say, actually, I've done a post on that. <laughs> I think that's very good. That's good. I think that looks very accomplished. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant uh, Stephanie I think uh, I think that's an inspirational take on on blogs so I'm really grateful for you coming back for the second appearance and uh, thank you very much it's it's, that's been a wonderful experience uh, giving your your insights from your blog thank you
1: it is always my pleasure and if anyone listening decides they want to start a blog please find a way to share it with me I'll be one of your first subscribers and viewers and maybe even a guest contributor so Mm. I'm here to support the blogging community especially blogs for what they were 10 years ago Um, and I I do think that there's still value to that so Yeah. um, yeah we're a great community out there people who are putting their heart and soul out for no other purpose than just to to help someone else so do stay in touch get inspired and ask questions
0: that's a great offer thank you Stephanie thank you everyone for listening Grey Lit Cafe is edited by Dr. Bart Hallmark and produced by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus specialises in grey literature forms such as proposals, publications, papers and reports. The music is from Handel's Water Music, courtesy of the United States Marine Band and Marine Chamber Orchestra.